Hello and welcome on in to Moving the Chains, the new name for our Northwestern football podcast. Also, we'll be covering the Big Ten a bit and college football as a whole. I'm Amit Malik, joined here by Sam Brief from beautiful Highland Park, Illinois, and Henry Demore back home in California. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Happy that you used the adjective beautiful for North Suburban Illinois and not for sunny Southern California. It's never not a contest with you, is it, Sam? (laughs) I guess not. I guess not. (laughs) Well, it's great to have both of you on the air. We're on a three-way Skype call here. Um, This is the first uh, edition of Moving the Chains, our football podcast for the fall. We'll be recording these every week, and this is going to be, we hope, uh, your home for Northwestern football talk on podcasts. You know, um, really excited to cover the team. We have all the games on the air, and we're excited to have you along on the ride. Uh, let's get into it, guys. This is our first one, so no games have been played yet. We're kind of still in that unknown phase of the season, but all things considered, Northwestern is looking to have a really good year this year. 7-6 and six last year. Uh, won the pinstripe bowl against Pittsburgh. Uh, what do you guys think uh, is the, the the expectation for this team this year? Well, when I look at the team, uh, the main thing that stands out to me is stability. I mean, I'm not going to say they haven't lost anyone because Austin Carr and Anthony Walker especially are really key losses. But when you've got a guy under center or in shotgun, as Clayton Thorson pretty much always is, who's returning for his third consecutive season, I mean, that kind of stability at the most important position is really important. I mean, he's not an all-Big Ten performer. I mean, he's certainly not, you know, the best quarterback in the country, but I think the stability at that position is really important for Northwestern and will help them take a leap, not to mention the guy next to him in the backfield, Justin Jackson, who, if he has 1,000 yards this season, is the second Big Ten running back after Ron Dane to have four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. I mean, I think having those two guys lead the charge offensively, even though they lost Austin Carr, is is a huge step towards Northwestern getting even better next season. Uh, not to mention they've got a few returners on the offensive line, which obviously was a big issue last season. And I really love the secondary spearheaded by Godwin Igwebuke. So I think this season's shaping out to be pretty good. It might not be a 10-win season like we had two years ago, but I think eight or nine wins is certainly in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going I'm to echo a lot of what you said. I mean, the quarterback-running back combo for Northwestern, I think, is one of the most underrated in the Big Ten, right? If you would have – the popular pick, if you would if you would ask someone last year who had the most rushing yards of any running back in the Big Ten, a Popular answer would be Saquon Barkley, and I think he'll probably run away with that this year. He's poised to have a huge, huge year for Penn State. But Justin Jackson actually held that distinction last year. Austin Carr was a leading receiver. And so I think for me, kind of the um, Northwestern is poised to make a very big leap forward, right? Their quarterback, Clayton Thorson, is still a junior. Justin Jackson's going to have the best year of his life on paper, right? But it's going to be guys like Wilson, Flynn Nagel, Brett Skoranek and even Garrett Dickerson, these guys that have been around the program now as second string, third string guys for a couple of years and do have, you know, experience under them. Whereas last year, it was really all Austin Carr in the receiving core. And heck, even if we want to harken back to Sam, like you were saying, that 10 win season two years ago, they did that pretty much without a stable receiving core. That was the, the one thing that I, I think we as freshmen kept returning to is, man, if we had guys 
that, you know, I mean, Austin Carr's breakout year was almost unprecedented given how poor the receiving core was our freshman year back in 2015. But I think if Clayton Thorson has a bevy of targets to go to, right, I mean, don't even need maybe even too many deep threats, but between Skoranek, Wilson, and Flynn Nagel, I think Flynn Nagel especially, um, that can balance out where the focus will all be on Justin Jackson. You need someone, you need guys to take that pressure off him. And yeah, like my last point would be about the offensive line that, you know, they have been shaky in the past, but they bring back a lot of experience and they're poised to pick and take a big step forward this year. Yeah, but with the receivers, I totally agree. I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now at the 2015 roster. I mean, Kristen Jones, Mike McHugh, Miles Schuler. I mean, they had some guys, but there was no Austin Carr who really broke out. And I mean, Clayton Thorson's passing yard total was like a third of what it was last year. So, I mean, they were fine getting a 10-win season with a little bit of luck without a really established passing game. And now Clayton Thorson not being a freshman quarterback, he's now in his third straight season playing Big Ten football. I I think that says a lot about this passing game, and I think they can potentially take a step forward even without a guy like Austin Carr. Yeah, it is a little comforting that, you know, like you said, with, with the defense and a little bit of luck freshman year of 2015, that they were able to, you know, squeeze out 10 wins, everything else is in the right place. So you think, okay, if this receiving core is mediocre to good, a lot of big things could happen for Northwestern. So so building on that, we talked a lot about the receivers, and I think, you know, they're the biggest question mark or at least, you know, variance position on the offense. Uh, we know uh, Clay Thorson and Justin Jackson are good, but there is another. Is there another position group that you guys think is just really dynamite here for the Wildcats? Well, like I mentioned before, the secondary I, I think is awesome. I mean, starting obviously with Godwin Igwebuke, who is certainly one of the best safeties in the country, and he's stepping up to be a captain this season in his senior year. Kyle Cairo showed flashes of excellence last year. Against, Indi- against Indiana, we all remember the one-handed interception that he made that ended up on SportsCenter. Keith Watkins coming back after missing all of last season. Montre Hardage, and they've got plenty of depth behind those guys. Jared McGee, Marcus McShepard. I mean, it's a really deep secondary. And in an ever-changing college football landscape where the passing game is used more and more and more, having a secondary like that can, can take you a long way. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you want to talk about a, a dynamite group and something that has been the the anchor of North, this Northwestern team over these last few years, it has been the secondary. Xavier Washington will be missed uh, on defense. Uh, you know, that, that suspension has yet to kind of flesh itself fully out, but it's safe to say he won't be, you know, playing on playing against Nevada anyway. I'm looking at the, uh, the depth chart for the first and second team defenses. He is nowhere to be seen. But like you said... Um, Godwin, you almost said a Fani Odenabo. I think he's another guy who's going to be missed there. But I think something to, I think kind of a, a cool thing to look at will be Joe Gaziano stepping up as a defensive end of the future. He's only a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure that's it. But last year, I mean, that earth shattering uh, safety sack against Brian Lewerke, the Michigan State quarterback, I mean, that was one of the coolest plays I saw all year. Um, so I think the secondary will be what it'll be. I think it's, on paper it's going to be very good, and it's going to be a really good counter to Nevada's offense when we get there and dive more into that. But Joe Gaziano on as a defensive end, that deep, that front four with Tyler Lancaster now being you know a captain and taking on more of a leadership role between those two, 
I'm, I'm looking at the defensive end to step up, the defensive line to step up. I think they're going to be really fun to watch, and I think they'll be a big part um, of the success of this Northwestern defense. Yeah, did you see what Lancaster did? He he benched 220 pounds like 35 times over the summer. I mean, the guy is a beast. And I think in terms of the defensive line, I mean, even without a guy like Xavier Washington, having Tyler Lancaster in the center of that defensive line will go a long way. Uh, great, great stuff there, guys. And then I want to ask, uh, or before I ask you about the linebackers and the O-line, which I think are the two spots that are the biggest, other biggest question marks, certainly need some improvement. I do want to mention that Keith Watkins today, as we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, uh, we heard from inside and use Martin Oppegaard that he was carted off the field with an injury. So by the time this podcast goes out, maybe we'll have more news on that. But certainly it would be great to keep him there because in 2015, integral member of the Sky Team. Oh, I, I'm, I'm just learning that for the first time. Yeah, same. Yeah, so I guess yeah, the other I, guy in the we the don't really team. we don't really know anything about it, but uh, you guess you know Jaron McGee kind of a backup safety Mayo uh, could could help out. We know if we know Montre Hardage is one of those corners. That's my that's my guess right now. I'd have to look again at the depth chart. Yeah, Montre Hardage. Then yeah, like you said, Marcus McShepard, Jared McGee, Travis Willock. Uh, Brian Bullock is I think listed as Marcus McShepard is a, is a good name for maybe that next corner spot. Yeah. If it ended up being a serious injury for Keith Watkins, that'd be really heartbreaking after missing all last season. So certainly hoping for yeah, that. Sending out our best wishes to Keith. We'll hear about that injury tomorrow on Thursday. Maybe all the listeners will have heard that news. But uh, moving on, I wanted to talk about, let's start with the linebackers. Uh, no secret, they lost their star last year. Anthony Walker, great player, drafted by the Indianapolis Colts. What do you expect from this group? It does appear on the depth chart that Patty Fisher has won that first, at least for the time being, that first linebacking spot over uh, Nate, uh, Nathan Fox. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean it's an interesting group now uh, without Anthony Walker. I mean, he... he was so important as a leader and just as the best player on the team last year. So when you look at the outside linebacker spots, Nate Hall, Brett Walsh, I mean, Nate, Nate Hall has proven to be a good player, and I think he's solid there on the outside. Same with Brett Walsh, who showed a lot of good flashes last year. I remember him having really excellent camp last year especially. Um, but Patty Fisher is a question mark there in the middle. I mean, when you got a guy who doesn't really have the experience – at the middle linebacker position, trying to replace someone like Anthony Walker, who's now taking, who's now playing for the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL. I mean, that's certainly a question mark. I'm not trying to knock Patty Fisher. I mean, we don't really know much about him, but that is my point, is that we don't really know much about him because we just haven't really seen him enough on the field. So when I look at this, it's an experience that stands out. Um, you know, Walsh didn't play too, too much last year, so... I think it's a question mark. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something we'll have to kind of wait and see how the linebacking core turns out. Yeah, and one other thing to add is that uh, Warren Long has also transitioned to linebacker, and Fitz said he has looked good so far. For me personally, it's hard to imagine Warren Long playing a lot of coverage. I think he's a blitzing linebacker, but uh, from what people have said in camp and you know what they've been saying internally, I think he also 
could be a good pass rush guy if he gets some snaps. Yeah, I mean, a former, like you said, a former running back uh, is what Warren Long was. So I, I agree kind of in my in my mind, I don't see him, you know, dropping back that much. But he adds, you know, a good presence to uh, a pass rush for Northwestern. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think this is the biggest question mark on the team. I mean, it's so funny. You don't you don't realize uh, or maybe you did. Maybe I, I think I'm feeling it right now is the the huge part, even leadership wise, uh, you know, from a mental aspect that Anthony Walker had on this linebacker core and this defense as a whole. Now it comes down to guys like Nate Hall and Brett Walsh to step up, you know, Patty Fisher, Nathan Fox to step up and be leaders in a, in a, in a young, you know, in a young linebacking core that hasn't seen the spotlight. Nate Hall, you know, he's been a playmaker and I think he's probably your, he's probably your go-to guy and your most consistent yeah, uh, presence there in the back seven. But, on the team last season. Yeah. Yeah. Nate, no, exactly. Nate Hall's got good, uh, good creds so far last two years. Um, I want to ask you guys very quickly before we uh, look at the schedule and think about our predictions this year for the record, quickly about the offensive line. I think a much maligned position group last year, but, you know, returning a lot of players and a lot of room for improvement, do you guys think they can make that leap and, you know, give Justin Jackson, Clayson Thorson the time and space to be really excellent this year? Henry, this 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 one's tough for me. Um, never you know, easy. Never easy. No, I I like Let's Tommy Doles. Cowboys or the Wisconsin Badgers talking about the offensive line is not an easy task. I like Tommy Doles. Jared Thomas is is stepping up. He, he's starting against Nevada. He wasn't that wasn't the case before. Blake Hans, Brad North, and Gunnar Vogel yeah. round out the first team offense here. Yeah, I think one thing to add. Add, sorry, Henry, before you keep going. No, you're good. Is that uh, Fitz said it's a very fluid group. You mentioned first team. He said, you know, eight to nine guys might be seeing action. So okay. we really don't know. And like you both are saying, it's really hard to predict offensive line talent. I think this is something we'll be able to talk about a lot once we've seen them play. But right now, yeah. I'm I'm with you guys. I, I We honestly have no idea. Yeah, but it and, was I, interesting. and I will say this: uh, it, it'll be interesting against. It might breed maybe even a little. This is more of a pessimistic point of view, but a little bit of overconfidence against a Nevada defense that I know we haven't dealt with Nevada much. So I don't want to get too deep into the Wolfpack defense, but they are I'm not going to mince words here. Their defense was atrocious last year, so success against Nevada for the O line might not translate into success in the future when you get in the Big Ten play. Yeah, interesting to see Jared Thomas starting at left tackle. Um, I think a lot of us expected Blake Hans to be out there, but like you said, Amit, we don't really know exactly what's going on behind the scenes in terms of who's out playing who in practice. Um, so, you know, good for him. And Brad North at the center position is experienced. Tommy Doles is experienced. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fluid group, I guess. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. The discussion will, I'm sure, expand as the season goes on on um but right now we just got to kind of give them a chance and see what they do uh very quickly here we know that the real crux of this schedule is that wisconsin penn state back-to-back tilts in october um what do you guys think this team will go and give me one one big game for northwestern uh if you want to use those two go ahead explain why or maybe another one 
afterwards? For me, the big game is Wisconsin. I don't think uh, – I think because it's on the road, but also because the rest of the schedule, honestly, is relatively – besides Wisconsin, Penn State, these are all winnable games. There are some trap games here and there. I think Minnesota is, could be a sleeper in the Big Ten West. Nebraska is finally getting back on its feet. Michigan State will be bad. But you do have Penn State at home, so that's a more winnable game. But Wisconsin on the road, they're the only big powerhouse in the Big Ten West. You don't have to play Michigan this year. You don't have to play Ohio State this year. Like I said, Michigan State still reeling from a very bad season last year. If you win that Wisconsin game, you're in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. And then this this pipe dream of a Big Ten championship all of a sudden doesn't seem too far-fetched. Yeah, I mean, those, those Big Ten West games are huge. No doubt the Wisconsin game is a big one. Uh, Iowa, too. If I had to pick one in order to not agree with Henry, um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Iowa game on the 21st. Sneakily very but, good Iowa team. Yeah, and for a few reasons, um, I think it you could make the case that it's equally important um, as the Wisconsin game, not just because they're both Big Ten West opponents. I think Wisconsin and Iowa – if you're talking about an appearance in the Big Ten championship game, them alongside Nebraska are probably the biggest barriers to Northwestern doing so. But remember two years ago, Iowa beat Northwestern at Ryan Field on homecoming. That like was a bad, bad loss. And what was that? It was like a really, really bad loss. And yeah, I think that was, that was that was tough to watch. Yeah, I mean we were we were all there. That was homecoming. I'm looking it up right now. It was forty to ten. And that was at Ryan Field, homecoming, and I think, and it was you know it was kind of a big revenge game last year that uh, Northwestern got the win at Kinnick Stadium in a really exciting, high-scoring game. But to have Iowa coming back to Ryan Field just mentally uh, to beat them, I think would be a be a nice thing for this team to rally around. And in terms of strength of the team mixed with um, the importance in terms of the Big Ten standings, I think. Iowa and Wisconsin, two pretty comparable teams. All right, thanks, guys, for those. And do you guys want to give predictions, or do you want to move on to Nevada? It's, it's up to both of you. Predictions! All right, all right. Yeah. Let, let me get those record predictions very quickly. <laughs> we all love a good prediction. Yeah, I'm never going to pass up a chance to do the prediction. I actually, a friend of mine who goes to Kansas asked me what my prediction was. So I was looking at this earlier. And I was between eight and nine wins. I'm going to go, in terms of losses, because I think obviously there will be more wins than losses, I think uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, Nebraska are three losses. Um, and then I'm on the fence about about this Iowa game. I'll go eight and four. Okay. With losses being those four, including Iowa. Getting to a good bowl game, uh, not a great one, but better than last year, and um, it's a successful season. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take the slight over here. I'm gonna say nine wins. I think Wisconsin and Penn State are losses, and then I think a scary game to watch out for. Nebraska. I don't know. I, I think the Nebraska pick will become more clear as the season goes on. Uh, Nebraska on paper is supposed to take a big step forward and, you know, become like the Nebraska teams of old back in the big 12. But I think a, a, a scary game, granted it's at home, 
could be Minnesota. They've got P.J. Fleck there now. Minnesota gave the gave Northwestern and Justin Jackson specifically yeah. a lot of trouble last year. Granted, it was up at TCF Bank Stadium, and the last time that Minnesota came down to Evanston, the two years ago in 2015, Northwestern thumped them 28 nothing. But this is a much different Minnesota team, and I think I think there's your trap game if you're looking for a trap game. But I still say nine and three because I I just don't see how offensively anyway. With the defense, I think the defense will be stable. Offensively, anyway, Clayton Thorson and Justin Jackson, they will take two big leaps forward. And you're you're going to hear those guys' names harped on over and over and over and over again until January. But I just don't see how you lose more than four games. I think anything less than that would be a... And everything oh, we just said, but I'm just reminding myself how unpredictable all this stuff can be. Just looking back at last year's schedule, I mean, we had... The whole month of September, which was Western Michigan, Illinois State, Duke, Nebraska. Yes. We were all thinking 4-0, 4-0, 4-0. Yeah, and then we were like, oh, the death <laughs> of October. Iowa win, Michigan State win, Indiana we knew would be a win, and then Ohio State, which was almost a win. I mean, they That, almost that was almost the biggest win yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think for Northwestern, they need to get to Wisconsin 3-0 without any hiccups. That just needs mm-hmm. to happen. Because if you get there and you lose to Wisconsin, Penn State, no one's going to get mad at you. You didn't fail in any way. But I think that Duke road game is just the one they've got to take care of business because I think we all agree Nevada and Bowling Green are, are not really, you know, much more than Well, uh, We said that last year about Western Michigan that's, and Illinois State. That's true. So we'll, we'll have to see. That's why this team needs to show us it can start, uh, start well. Yeah, you got. I mean, last year they they finished the season strong. I mean, they got the wins at Iowa, Michigan State, almost beat Ohio State. I mean, they they played pretty well last year. And if they didn't lose those first two games, they would have finished ten and three with the bowl game win. So it's like, yeah. you know, those non conference games. The margins are small. The margins are small. Yeah, it's not a lot of games to play. Let's uh, talk about this Nevada game a bit. Uh, on Saturday, Sam Brief, I know you'll be on the call with Austin Miller. Uh, there's not really a lot of mincing words, as Henry said earlier. Nevada's not very good. They were 5-7 and seven last year, but S&P plus Bill Connolly's projections over at SB Nation have them as the fifth worst team in the FBS. So not great, but they have new staff uh, on both sides of the ball. What, what, what are the expectations for Nevada this year and you know, then you can talk about what are we going to see on Saturday. A lot of quarterbacks. I think you might see up to three quarterbacks playing for Nevada at Ryan Field. This is Jay Norvell coming in his first season in, in Nevada. The air raid offense, and air raid probably means they're going to pass it a lot. They still haven't announced a starting quarterback. Their depth chart lists Ty Gangi, who started a few games at the end of the season last year, and David Cornwell, who's the transfer from Alabama, as co-starters. And then you've also got three guys um, behind those two who Coach Norvell has highly praised and said that you might see all these guys at some point this season. So I think we'll definitely see those first two quarterbacks and maybe even some of the other three. So it's going to be a lot of passing. I mean, David Cornwell... You know, if you're if you were recruited from Alabama, you're probably pretty good. I mean, he was never good enough to play, but um, we'll we'll see. It's an air raid offense that probably bodes well for Northwestern secondary. We were talking earlier about how strong they are. So all in all, mixed with the fact that 
this just isn't really that good of a football team probably bodes well for the Wildcats. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting. I think this is a team that with the air raid offense that they're just going to try to, I think this year it'll be the strategy as the defense on the bright side. They can't really get any worse than they were last year uh, to the, the statistic that I found, which was just um, horrifying. They allowed an FBS worst 297.6 just rushing yards oh, per man. game oh, man. in 2016. That's you know, very, a very bad. Saturday, a lot of Justin Jackson, the ball carrier. A exactly. Lot. And so that given, you know, that and the fact that Jay Norvell's first crack at running this air raid offense will be against the Northwestern secondary, it, 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 it almost plays into it, – it, it plays – the specific defensive weaknesses that Nevada has and the specific offensive strengths that Nevada's trying to push will be countered by Northwestern. And Nevada again, gave up six yards per carry last year. Yeah, not good. And again, this is a team that you know we saw last year, for better or for worse, they played to Northwestern played to their opponent's level, right? They came up big against like we we're talking about just now, Ohio State, Iowa on the road, but they played down to Western Michigan and Illinois State. Now, you know. We're a year removed from the the panic of of September 2016, but Nevada's coming to Evanston with nothing to lose, and that would be dangerous. Yeah, I think normally we'd have much more in-depth previews of our opponents, but two things are contributing to that here is that, one, neither of us think that Nevada is really any good, and two, um, they're also a little bit unknown, a little bit unknown. We do know, as you guys mentioned, that air raid offense – New defensive look, but not not a lot of talent. I'm going to ask you guys, what's your who's your X factor for Northwestern on one on each side of the ball to make sure that the Cats, you know, don't have any early season slip ups like last year. You want to start it off, Henry? Uh, sure. You let uh, me start for schedule. All right. So I will take. I mean, I. I want to say Justin Jackson, but it seems like too easy of a of a pick. I mean, I, I but. You know, he on paper should run for about 300 yards, right? and that's not too. That that's not like totally. Personally, if he's running well, and we know Nevada's not that great at run D, I think why not throw out John Moen and see what he's got. You don't want to. Exactly. You don't want to exhaust like Jackson too early. He had like 100 yeah. yards and two touchdowns against Illinois. Yeah, he's shown flashes. Yeah. yeah, but then I think um, on on defense it'll be about. This, this new air raid scheme, I mean, this is a completely different philosophy that Nevada was running last year. Last year, they had a guy, their running back, his name is... James Butler. James Butler, right. On he Iowa went now. to Iowa, exactly, as He's a graduate good. transfer. He's good. Yeah, no, he was a stud last year, 1,336 yards and 12 touchdowns, but they're without the, he was their best player last year by far. So they went from this ground-and-pound, run-heavy offense to a completely different system, this air raid offense that runs like... Four receivers. They use a lot of audibles and like like no huddle and they, they like which you don't see a lot of audibles called in college. Not nearly as much as the pros, obviously. But that's kind of how the air raid in theory works: is putting pressure on the secondary and defensive alignments by using a lot of no huddles and a lot of audibles and, and the quarterback just making plays, just looking at the defensive alignment. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if David Cornwell does get the job, and like you said, Sam, we're probably going to see those two between Ganji, Cornwell, and the third guy whose name I'm forgetting um, rotate in. But Cornwell, he's a junior transfer from Alabama. He has not taken a college snap, right? I mean, he doesn't have he's, any he's experience. He's very green. 
and that's yeah. does not bode well against a really good secondary <laughs> that screams yeah, to exactly. me multiple interceptions. Yeah, so I think, and you know, so I think it'll be Godwin. I, I think I think it'll be you know, uh, or not Godwin. Uh, yeah, Godwin and Kubike. I get him and Afadi Odenbo mixed up. They got two of the coolest names in uh, on this defense for Northwestern, but. The, the secondary is going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. And I think if nothing else, it'll be kind of a proving ground for, you know, an air raid offense that, you know, I think this would be, this would be a team that in two years could be scary to face on an off week that they're just going to try to outscore you and outbomb you. Um, but not this year. I'll go um, offensively. I think because the run game is, I'm not going to say it's going to be a walk in the park automatically. I mean, they've got to put in the work. But that's going to be more of a constant for Northwestern in this game. I'll go with Flynn Nagel as a key factor. Just thinking back to last year with Austin Carr, his first game of the season against Western Michigan, he established himself right away as the go-to guy. He had five catches, 75 yards, few key third downs. I mean, right away after that game, we knew. We didn't know he was going to be a Bolitnikoff finalist, but it was clear that he was Clayton Wilson's go-to guy. I'm not saying it's going to be Flynn Nagel this year. It could be Macon Wilson. It could be Garrett Dickerson, Skyronic. But if I'm going to pick a guy, I'll say Flynn Nagel, maybe to establish himself as the new go-to guy, especially on third and longs for Northwestern like Austin Carr was last year. And then defensively, I'll say this defensive front as a whole, uh, specifically Tyler Lancaster in anchoring the defensive line because as Henry was talking about, an air raid type offense, a lot of audibles, a lot of no huddle, that means not a lot of breaks, and that means a lot of running and a lot of catching your breath, and the big boys up front are often the ones who start to feel that first. So I'm going to say the defensive line, you don't want to get too worn down, especially if it's a hot, sunny day in Evanston. If you're running around too much and not getting enough breaks, you got to stay grounded. Great, guys. I think we all agree that uh, it's going to be – a good Northwestern win. Um, we'll see, though. You know, last year we thought that, too. So keep your eyes peeled. Sam Brief will be on the call on Saturday. Make sure you tune into that. Uh, we'll spare the predictions. I think we all kind of know. It'd just be semantics over what the scoreline would be. Let's bounce around the Big Ten for a bit. And I want to start with this one pressing question. Then we can, you know, branch off from there. We mentioned it's going to come down to a few key games. Can Northwestern win the Big Ten West this season, guys. I I, th- I think yes. Like like I said, I think there's no better year to do it. You know, I mean, while you know the, the Big Ten West wins themselves are big as far as just conference record. Northwestern has it pretty easy this year. They don't have to face you know they, they get Penn State at home. They don't have to face Michigan or Ohio State. Um, but like I said, I, th- I think it's going to come down to that game against Wisconsin. I because if you know Wisconsin, they'll get the wins they'll get. But if you stay a game above them, right? I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, obviously, there's more things to winning a Big Ten West title than just beating Wisconsin. But, you know, the rest of those games, you, you control your own destiny if you beat Wisconsin, is what, is, what, is what I'm trying to say. Because Wisconsin, no matter how well they do the rest of the year, if you beat them at Camp Randall, again, no easy task. But you're always a game ahead of them and have the head-to-head. Yeah, it took some shenanigans to do it last time. Um, yes, yes, it did. <laughs> that was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Some shenanigans, uh, to say the least. With this question, I'm a little torn because I don't want to be the Danny Downer. I think, can they? Yes. If, if 
I'm not going to say all has to go right, but if a lot of things go right, you know, a few balls bounce their way, um, you know, Thorson takes a leap. Jackson is what we know he is. No injury, no major injuries. I mean, the Keith Watkins, that's a little scary. Um, you know, if, if these things turn out, the offensive line improves from last year, yes, they have a chance. But if if there's sort of this regression to the mean and they play sort of an average season, I don't think they will. I think uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin are three teams that can all beat them out, even Minnesota as a sleeper. Um, my prediction would put them somewhere in like third place and still in contention with a few weeks to go. That's if they play an average season. If they play a little bit above their pay grade, then I think that's very much in play. Great. Uh, and let's keep talking about you know some of these other Big Ten West teams. Uh, we've mentioned all of them, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa as well. You, who, or you guys can give me, who are your other, tell me about the other top teams of the Big Ten West and what you think the order will be, maybe the top three or four. I mean, when I look at Wisconsin, we, I mean, we know they run the ball every year. They've got that the big offensive line. Um, so that's, that's kind of a constant with Wisconsin, but now they maybe hopefully finally have some consistency at the quarterback position and having Alex Hornibrook returning for a second year last year, he kind of split snaps with Bart Houston and that sort of derailed Wisconsin season. Um, Jack Sitchi, one of their best linebackers is out for the season with a torn ACL. So that will certainly hurt them. But I think this is a Wisconsin team. Their number nine ranking in this first AP poll is a little too high, um, but this is a really good team. The fact that they play Michigan, a team Northwestern doesn't play. I mean, Northwestern doesn't play Michigan or, or, or Ohio State, who I believe are the two best teams in the Big Ten. Wisconsin's got to play Michigan. Um, Iowa's got to play Ohio State. So, And then Nebraska's got to play Ohio State, too. So out of these four teams, if we're considering – Nebraska, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa to be the top four teams. Northwestern's the only team not playing Michigan or Ohio State, which is a certain advantage. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and, that, and that's why I think. I mean, I, I think if things don't go right this year, if the, if as far as you know, I mean, obviously things you can't control, injuries and whatnot. But I think if Northwestern doesn't control its controllables, to quote my high school baseball coach, this year they're going to look back on this year for the for the next while as dang that was the year we could have had something special um with a quarterback and your running back in their prime and it just it didn't it didn't go our way because we couldn't win key games so i think um to rank the you know to maybe just do kind of that experiment like you were saying a bit of just ranking the how the division will fall i think it will be northwestern first or excuse me wisconsin first wisconsin first northwestern second then give me Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota. And Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, I think those three kind of clumped all a game below Northwestern. And then Purdue and Illinois, they'll be in the bottom two. Again, from there it's predicting who gets four wins and who gets three, I think. Okay, and my next question for you guys is give me a sleeper that's not one of the consensus top two teams in either conference, which – I think at this point, Wisconsin and Northwestern, and then uh, Michigan and Ohio State. Outside of those four, give me a sleeper who you think is going to have a very good year, 
pick up some scalps, turn some heads. Hmm. I need to think for a second. But I think Indiana could okay. surprise. Okay. I mean, th- this is a team I'm not predicting that they will do anything spectacular. But I think there's a chance. I mean, this is a team that always uh, seemingly finds itself on the outside looking in in terms of the Big Ten, the top Big Ten teams. I can't remember a time in my life Indiana was ever considered anything like that. They'll have a chance to prove themselves as worthy. Uh, one of the first, the, I believe, is the first game of the Big Ten season on tomorrow night at home against Ohio State. So, I mean... Is, are, are they a great team? No. But in terms of a sleeper, I think Indiana could do it. I mean, they just fired Kevin Wilson at the end of last season. Seems like his relationship with the team was not the strongest. So perhaps a fresh start with a new coach who, who treats these guys a little better is exactly what they need. And maybe it ignites some sort of storm in Bloomington that we've just been waiting to see. Yeah, I think as as far as a sleeper, I find it hard to disagree with you. Maybe Maryland, but uh, I think you know. I mean, Michigan State on paper, right? That you say, wow, you know, uh, for you know last year's oh, I forgot aberration to, of a season. Sorry, I forgot to mention Penn State in my good teams, but they're not a sleeper. So yeah. thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, and so, and so that's were, where I was going to go next. Is last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to to adhere right to adhere to amidst you know kind of unofficial rules of oh your consensus top two I would I would put Penn State over Michigan personally it's coming from you know a maize and blue blooded Michigan fan I'm actually going to the game against Florida and Dallas this weekend and I'm stoked Ooh. thanks Sam um, Michigan lost a lot of talent last year um, between Jake Butt and Jabril Peppers alone but. Um, I think they lost a lot of guys last year. The quarterback battle is still a little bit up in the air. I think Jim Harbaugh will do big things at Michigan this year. He won't beat Ohio State. But again, I, but I think those three are the top three teams in the East. Indiana, Maryland, I guess. I confess I just don't know a lot about those two teams. Um, but to maybe segue into the West, I think Minnesota's your sleeper. Uh, just because I think, you know, P.J. Fleck. I, I think the P.J. Fleck experiment will be interesting. Uh, he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have Corey Davis anymore. But... You know, he he beat Northwestern last year. He's got an opportunity to beat Northwestern two years in a row. Um, I think that will be both times at Ryan Field. Um, But, you know, Minnesota gave Northwestern a lot of trouble last year at TCF Bank Stadium. And this isn't the team that Northwestern clobbered 28-0 two years ago. Um, No more Mitch Leidner. No, no. A a, a appalling lack of Mitch (laughs) Leidner in in Minneapolis. So, go ahead. Watch out for Maryland. Started out 4-0 last year. They were ravaged by injury. A healthy Maryland team maybe gets a few wins. (laughs) All right, so some good sleeper choices. Let's leave it at that for uh, the Big Ten. Let's move on to the national stage. A few good opening week games. Uh, I have four on here. Maybe we don't have time to talk about all of them. But really quickly, I want your hot takes about Alabama FSU. Maybe not that hot. (laughs) I mean, maybe there's not a hot take, but what do you guys think is going to happen in this one, uh, and why are you really excited about that? Bama. I got got Bama all day. Um, The quarterback position is always a question mark with Bama. It seems they've always Mm -hmm. got top defense, a Heisman running back, and no quarterback. That is certainly not the case this year. Jalen Hurts was awesome last year as a true freshman. Now back as a sophomore, I think – he makes Bama that much better. We know they have the defense. 
Florida State's a really good team, a top three team, but I've got Bama all day. Give Nick Saban those off-season months to prep for Florida State all day. Yeah, I, I think you get uh, Bama. Yeah, I think I think Bama will win. I for the who who's the stud? Who's the running back from Florida State that everyone keeps hyping up? Um, is that is it Patrick? Jacques Patrick for Florida State. I, for Florida State, the guy who's supposed to be the next Dalvin Cook. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jock Jack Patrick, Patrick. Jocks. Jocks. Jack Patrick, Jacques Patrick. Yeah, um, I don't think he will live up to the hype. I think him think so. like, okay. yeah. Um, I, I think him kind of like uh, Sam Darnold is a little bit too untested, but that's that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I think yeah, Bama takes it. Um, and I would even I don't know. That we're, I know we're going to get into spreads a little later here, but I, I do think I don't know. I think Bama will win by more than seven. I just okay. don't. Yeah, it's a good line. Good. I think it's a good yeah. line. Seven is a lot, but I I agree with you, Henry. I think that uh, Bama might be winning this by maybe 9 or 10. We'll see. Uh, Saban has been very good in his openers. Yeah, and and like Sam said, right, I mean, quarterback was the only kind of, you know, question last year, and now they have someone solid in Jalen Hurts, right? And, you know, the defense of the running game will always be there, and Nick Saban is a wizard. So I think think there are no real holes in this this Bama team. I think they could go undefeated again. All right. Henry, I'm with you. I'm not on the Sam Darnold hype train. He's got to prove it to me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree with both you guys there. Um, let's talk about another California quarterback. Let's talk about UCLA, Texas a and I'm going to gloss over Florida-Michigan because I think that Florida's missing too many players to make that game competitive. What do you guys mm-hmm. see in this UCLA-Texas A&M game? Two pretty talented teams. UCLA has maybe the slight edge, and quarterback Rosen, really talented, a talented offense. My money... I think UCLA looks a little better here, but I think it should be a really good game. You want to start it out? Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I, I have like a you know, I, I confess I don't know too much about this game, but I know that UCLA. If John, if Josh Rosen, you know, comes back from that, what what he bust? He busted his shoulder last year, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he had he had some some big injury, and so I think if he comes back, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who you know, gun to their head, is going to take UCLA. But um, I don't. I, th- I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really fun game. But I think I, I don't know. I, I like UCLA. I, I've always, having moved to California, the USC fans are always way more snobby. So I've gravitated more towards UCLA. Um, but I, I don't. I, like I want to see them win. Bring, bring emotion and, into analysis more. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's never a bad idea. <laughs> no. Um, uh, no, I I, I want to see UCLA do well, and I, and I think I think they will. Uh, I think that spread even is a little generous. I think UCLA will win by more. By what? A lot. By more. By more than four. Yeah. If if Rosen if Rosen actually comes back from that injury, I think he's got the makings of a. Yeah, I think he's got the makings of a big time quarterback, better than Sam Darnold. Okay, I like that prediction, Henry. As uh, much as uh, as much as agreeing with Henry on anything is just. One of my least favorite things. I'm gonna. Man, I can't wait to see you again in person, Sam. I'm yeah, really can't excited. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I just. I mean, Josh Rosen. I really like. He's an experienced pocket passer. Um, he gives him the. Ed- he he gives UCLA. I, a I think A and M's pass rush without Garrett is gonna suffer a bit. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Let's move on to the last segment of this podcast. Looking for uh, a way to name this cleverly, like the blank lock of the week. 
or the one sure thing, something like that. If you're looking to sponsor this segment, please uh, send in your ideas. But um, for now, we'll just call it the one lock of the week. We have a list of spreads here. We're not going to go through all of them, but I want each of you to give me your one lock against the spread. I'm going to keep track of these, and we'll go back over them next week, even when you guys aren't on the podcast, because I think it'll be fun. I know we talked before and we agreed on one, but am I allowed to do two? Yeah, you're allowed. I love two. The more locks, the better. Okay, I'm going to hit you with two. My first lock is Michigan, minus three and a half over Florida. We mentioned all the bevy of suspensions that's come Florida's way. They're not even close to full strength. Yes, Michigan is down Jabril Peppers and Jake Butt from last year. But this is still a hardball coach team on a neutral field against a decimated Florida roster. Three and a half points seems like a little too small. I got Michigan all day. The second lock, this is one of the highest spreads of the week, but I still love it, is Louisville minus 24 and a half against Purdue. Lamar Jackson all day. I mean, this guy might make up that difference on his own just with his feet. Heisman winner coming back. Remember the start he had last year? It seemed like he was racking up like 20,000 yards and 40 touchdowns every single game. Against Purdue, Louisville by like 40. (laughs) (laughs) That's your two locks. All right, Henry, what's yours? Uh, Mine was going to be the Michigan one, but, you know, because like you said, an an interesting development of the Florida situation uh, just kind of for – college football knowledge sake uh Malik Zare right the, the the Notre Dame transfer he will not be the starting quarterback it'll be oh, Felipe man. Franks a freshman yeah that's that's a mess I hate to right say I so like you know I, I I almost feel bad as a Michigan fan you know like you know because like you said at it, both these teams on paper without the injuries and suspensions a three and a half spread is awesome am I, I Michigan by I three bet and a half that line great. moves on game day a bit if for I yeah, no, yeah. I would I would definitely agree with you there, but it almost it almost feels unfair, right? So you know that would have been my lock. I think Michigan won't clobber Florida, but they'll win handily. Um, give me okay. Uh, my lock this this might be this might be a scalding take. I I don't I don't believe in Texas. I don't think they'll cover it. 18, 18 points is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yes, it's Texas at home. Yes, they they were awesome in their opener last year. Right, and everyone was like, "Oh, Texas football is back." This, that, and the other, and they fell apart. Them and Notre Dame seem to do this every single year. And so Texas, I, Texas, I can't stand. So uh, you know, emotion into analysis, great. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't think they're there yet. I think they're sort of like, you know, I think like you know, Nebraska has been promising a rebuild for a long time. I think they're actually doing it, and I think in two years, Nebraska is going to be really scary. But Texas, I forget about Texas. Um, thanks so a lot Henry there's, there's my one oh, lock yeah sorry to cut uh, you off oh no 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 it's alright uh, you don't need to you don't need to Yeah. let's mm. leave it at that let's leave it at that not as audacious as me Henry okay you okay All right. That's we'll fine. cut it off here before these two get in virtual arms against each <laughs> other uh, thanks for Probably listening for the to the first episode of the 2017 moving the chains podcast um i'm now joined by sam brief and henry demore make sure you tune in on saturday 2 30 p.m sam brief will be on the call against nevada thanks for listening here on wnur sports and make sure to tune in again next week